Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Happy New Year. How was your New Year's? It was great. Uh, The family was in Hawaii over Christmas and New Year's, so it was wonderful and relaxing and warm, which I can't say Calgary is right now. No. It wasn't too bad on New Year's, but now it's a decent. How was your New Year's? I worked. Oh, no. Um, Got out earlier than I planned. That's good. Yeah, except I planned to stay an hour late, so. Fair. Can you believe it's 2020? I know. That's crazy. Start of a new decade. Yeah. Well, whatever. It's always the start of some new decade, depending on when you look at it. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. But I mean, it is the season of New Year's resolutions. So what are your New Year's resolutions for finances, your personal finances? Oh, that's... I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about them, I don't know if I have any resolutions in terms of like things to change from a like financial like habits uh, standpoint, but I have some goals that I wanted to achieve. I think for sure getting that $6,000 into my TFSA this year, Mm -hmm. I think will be very beneficial. We did pull money out of our RSPs for the homebuyers plan. So getting a good start on repaying some of that, I think will also be something that we're looking uh, to do. I think I have a couple of income goals that I'm hoping to achieve. One for my, I guess, work full-time job and negotiating that this coming year. And then obviously some side hustle income. I'm, I have a, a number set in my head for that as well. So I think from that perspective, those are kind of where my focus is. I would like to continue to earn, you know, double digit returns on my investment portfolios. So that's kind of where I'm focusing for 2020. But it, I guess kind of boring, more of the same for me. What yeah. about you? Mine's actually, 2020 is probably going to be the year of spending. Oh so boy. I'm like planning on withdrawing some stuff. Um, you know, this year my car is 10 years old, probably going to need a new one. We want to do some renos on the house, so that's going to cost some money. Well, we need to buy blinds. We don't have blinds, so that can be my 2020 spending goal. There you go. (laughs) We're going to, you know, do an addition. (laughs) Yeah, okay, those are a little different. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we have that one. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's still a downturn here in Calgary, so it's usually more spending on this side so we can get stuff on the cheap. Um, so we try to do that. So what, that How are you like managing the, the, the addition or the reno or whatever you're doing from a financial perspective? Yeah, so probably take it out on credit for the most part. We don't like using a lot of credit, but still the interest rates are so low. Yeah. So we'll probably um, ensure that we have, you know, liquid funds to always sort of counteract that. Um, And I want to schedule it in kind of like 50000 chunk, $50,000 chunks each time um, with the project. And yeah, but probably on credit, 
and um, take advantage of the lower interest rates there, but then just know that we have money that we can sort of pay it off if we really, really needed to. Yeah, that's kind of one of my struggles that I go back and forth with is, you know, should we put an extra payment or two on our mortgage this year or should we be focusing on, you know, kind of hoarding it and investing that Mm -hmm. cash? And with the interest rates as low as they are, it's a hard, I guess... It's hard to convince me that we should be paying down our mortgage faster. Yeah, it's really tough. The only thing that I look at is like, you know, when the amortizations on mortgages were kind of, I don't know, standardized, whatever you want to think of for that, you know, the interest rates were so much higher than they are now. So I just can't get behind a 25 or 30 year amortization based off of like 2%. Yeah. I just, I, I just feel like... I should pay it off faster, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So that's, but but there's not really a financial incentive to do Exa- it. That's exactly yeah. it, right? It's not like it's costing, you know, well, it is costing a decent amount, but um, not anything compared to like 5 6 7% on a mortgage. Yeah. Or even, yeah. you know, back in our parents' day, it was like 18%. 18%, yeah, which is kind of what I was thinking on. Which, um, speaking of mortgages, we should shout out to a podcast that I listened to recently about kind of like history on mortgages in the States. 1619 from the New York Times. Mortgage, like this, it's a history of like slavery in the United States. Interesting. And they used to have mortgages on people. Ooh. Right? Isn't I don't that love disgusting? That. It is. And you know how we have, you know, um, mortgage-backed investment funds and everything like that? They had similar products, similar financial products, even back in slavery times, which wasn't actually that long ago, but, you know, the early, early, early days. And so even countries that abolished slavery were marketing financial products based on slave mortgages. That's crazy. Ugh, and it just sort of put a bad taste in my mouth about mortgages in general that I was like, oh, I just want to pay off mine just to not have that connection. Yeah. Gross. That's definitely something to consider. Anyway, that's sidetrack. So yeah, my financial goals are same with a lot of upcoming spending, but it kind of made me reflect on like my past goals and before I became a parent of like oh I'm definitely going to do this and I'm going to save this much and I'm going to cut expenses here and now as we move into different stages of parenting I'm just spending more and more money and it's incredibly expensive to be a parent not just you know feeding clothing doing all that with the kiddo but like we have higher costs for convenience food because my one hour to cook dinner is now one hour to pick up my kids, see my kid for a shorter period of time and cook dinner and get it on the table and get ready for bath time. So sometimes convenience food is kind of where it's at for us. And so we don't get to cut costs there as much. Um, Childcare costs, obviously. But now we're thinking about having a part-time nanny after um, daycare ends or to help us in the morning and that kind of thing too as we deal with like travel for our work as well and it's just so expensive yeah it's, it's a lot so expensive it's a lot easier to be a household with two incomes and no children mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways you can make cuts 
or, you know, earn more because you just have more time to, let's mm-hmm. say, invest in a side hustle. But yeah, I, like, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine sometimes how we are with my travel schedule and work schedules. We sometimes lean on, you know, like, whether it's food delivery or, you know, the good food box or mm-hmm. chef's plate or what have you. That's just one example. I mean, when I'm crazy traveling, getting our house cleaned is something that, like, neither of us really have the time or desire to do in our downtime. So sometimes mm-hmm. we pay for um, someone to come and clean our house. And I think that those are all kind of okay and good ways to kind of keep your sanity in check. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's kind of, to me, what New Year's resolutions or mindsets are kind of all about is, you know, making, trying to make this year, you know, more healthy than the year before. Yeah. And now we've like already started in January weekly house cleanings. We'll probably move to bi-weekly, but it's just, it's taking so much of our family time away. Um, that, yeah, it's, it's not worth it to us to save the money by cleaning our house ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're also in a great position where you kind of figured out your financial foundation before you had children. So Mm -hmm. I think like that's probably also maybe hopefully allowing you to stress a little bit less when it comes to finances. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not stressed about it, but it has got me thinking about people who are in different positions, um, in terms of finances and income and everything like that and how they're managing this, um, with childcare costs and yeah, is it fair? Like I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Like, is it fair that I have the privilege of making these kind of choices and not a whole lot of other people do? Is it fair that we are bringing up small children in a society that, um, doesn't really value their care or time with their families. Yeah, and I think a good example of kind of how things are going is just looking at those $25 a day daycares and how the funding for those got cut. Uh, I think it was at the end of 2019. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we live in a place where there was one of those $25 a day daycares, like within like three to five blocks. And so that was a great benefit of living where we do in Calgary and we were not that I'm not pregnant, but you know, eventually down the road, we would like to have kids. So that was a great Mm -hmm. thing to think about. And, you know, it got me excited, like $25 a day daycare. That's awesome. That's way less Mm -hmm. expensive than kind of what I've heard, you know, you and some of our other friends pay for childcare on a monthly basis. And it just, like, it sucks that it got cut. And I mean, again, I'm in a position where we probably don't need the $25 a day daycare. We could make it work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it does speak to, you know, valuing childcare and valuing people's bringing up small humans that are going to be future taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And contributing members of society as well. Like, what kind of environments are we allowing young children to grow into and accessibility um another shout out to a 
podcast. This is like the 2019 books and podcasts to listen to for your <laughs> yeah. New Year's resolution. Our accidental, uh, yeah, 2019. Uh, or 2020. Winter. I keep saying 2019. Or 2020, yeah. What to listen to and what to read. But the Weekly Economics Podcast, which is uh, based out of the UK, and they were fix- uh, had one about how to fix their childcare system. And just the availability in lower income areas, accessibility by transit, having things privatized where this is now marketed to more affluent individuals who maybe have more flexible work schedules if they are working at all. And then what does it leave for the folks who are working multiple jobs, using public transit to get themselves to work and their kids to these um, facilities and how are we regulating them i i know that there are a bunch of unregulated day homes and all those kind of things that people are using just because it's all that they can afford yeah, or I shouldn't say unregulated, unlicensed. Well, I think the, kind of things, the yeah. wait lists are super long for daycare. I know one of my coworkers is trying to come back to work after nine months of mm-hmm. mat leave, and she's having a hell of a time finding a spot. Yeah, and it, and it is. Like, the, the availability isn't there. The affordability isn't there. And, you know, we can say, well, the market will price this out. But I think at a certain point the market can't adjust for it because people are removing themselves from the market. It just becomes more cost-effective for a parent to stay home or a grandparent to stay home. If Um, you have that option. If you have that option, or you'll just find a way to not use a daycare if wages don't rise and if the daycares become too expensive, right? When we talk about wages, that is maybe one of my goals for 2020 is to get a raise for the position that I'm in. And I think I would encourage people, you know, regardless of their gender to, you know, ask for a raise this year. It's uncomfortable for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 20 minutes of uncomfortableness means that potentially you are earning maybe five, ten thousand $10,000 more. And that can make a huge difference when it comes to paying for those necessities in a sense. I mean, mm-hmm. I wish childcare was free. It sh- it should be, in my opinion. Like kindergarten mm-hmm. is free. Why isn't? Yeah, I mean, I think it should be taxpayer funded, for sure. And I think there should be an equitable, fair distribution of quality childcare. Um, I think it should be just as valued as public education. Totally. And I think there should be a integration of folks of different backgrounds and different socioeconomic statuses as well. well and I think we're doing a disservice having privatized childcare segregating our children by um, income. income right off the bat. Yeah, it's I mean... disturbing. I think you've said this for your kid. They Like, the daycare that they go to, they actually, like, it, they, like, learn things. It's not just you know, babysitting all day and like they have programs and so it is an education in a sense. So I'm not sure why it's not looked at like kindergarten or grade one. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the, you know, private more advertised to the higher income brackets, they are more like education based. What sold me on my daycare in particular is that they 
um, we're really focused on the child and the caregiver connection as well in that relationship because they're also learning like how to interact. They're not like tiny computers, right? We want them to be loving and caring, kind, kind individuals, yeah. right? So that's what sold me on them as well. I think I just thought of another New Year's resolution or goal for the year. I definitely want to increase the amount that I'm donating mm-hmm. to causes and continue to research, I guess, causes that are important. Because I think that's an area where sometimes I like end up forgetting. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it was December 31st. I was making donations on December 31st so that I could get it in for tax time. But, yeah. you know, finding organizations probably more local that are important to me and contributing and donating kind of more throughout the year. Yeah. And I think for me, like to piggyback off of the income one, like I don't just want to be influencing my own salary this year, but I think I want to influence the salary of either those that I work with or um, just other people, I guess, in my city or in my province and in my country as well to ensure that everybody is able to earn a living wage, they're being paid a living wage, being paid enough for the work and the contributions that they're making to society. Um, I'd like to start advocating for a four-day work week as well. Oh, that would be amazing. You know, and so needed. And without a, without a pay cut, because, I mean, why is it just the profit margin that can benefit off of newer technologies? Like, shouldn't we have some sort of kickback to society as a whole and be able to give time back to our staff? That's what I would really like to see. I'd like to see sort of a mix of, um, y- you know, social governance and profitability. I want to see that for 2020, and I want to use my position to, to influence that. Yeah, and I just pulled up the living wage for Calgary is actually $18.15. So we have a bit of work to do there. Yeah, especially for those servers that work in uh, places that uh, serve alcohol and um, for the younger individuals that apparently are not deserving of a minimum wage. Yeah, I can't even... That makes me so angry. (laughs) They do not deserve to be paid $13 an hour for the same job. No, I don't think so either, and I think it's it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to, as a affluent parent, allow my kid to, you know, be their own little entrepreneur and go shovel people's walks for however much they want to charge. That's one thing, but then to kind of make a blanket statement on what a person's labor is worth based on their age when you don't know their background, they could be supporting themselves. Or supporting their family. Or supporting their family, supporting for a variety of reasons. Um, You know, it just makes me so emotional to think about the kids who have to work while they're in school. You know, it's, it's, again, disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I worked when I was 16. Obviously, I had, like, kind of odd jobs and babysitting and whatever before that. I didn't have to, though. And so I can't even imagine being in a situation where you have to to make Mm -hmm. ends meet right and I feel like the people that are making these decisions are saying well I only had to work when I was of a certain age to like build a work ethic and not every parent is in that position and not every kid has parents um so they're trying to feed themselves and clothe themselves and it's not right to say that just because they're younger that their work is worth less 100 percent 
that's a great goal to try and advocate for that and make an impact. Thanks. Yeah. The other goal that I wanted to touch on was I'm going to try and align my my investments a little bit more with my values um, and see how that works out in terms of profitability. I don't have sort of like the cognitive dissonance that I guess like most folks have of like earning money off of certain corporations and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm uncomfortable with it to a certain degree, but I'm also aware that the in our society, the more that I can earn, the more influence that I have. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to see what my returns would be like if I if I aligned it more to my values. Yeah, that is something, you know, we talked about in the end, I think it was one episode last season, but it is something that I think is interesting to dig further into. I want to spend some time, hopefully this year, you know, peeling through all those reports we found, you know, mm-hmm. they were lengthy and I think we'll take a little bit of time, but, you know, trying to understand and support you know, businesses and be a shareholder of businesses that are paying living wages, that are having appropriate benefits for, you know, LGBTQ individuals. I think Mm -hmm. that is very important and you can walk the walk. No, you can talk the talk, but you, I think you also have to walk the walk in those situations. So if you say you care about those groups, then, you know, aligning your investment portfolio. Yeah, exactly. And again, back to the 1619, I don't want to look back on history and be one of the people that was, um, you know, saying they didn't agree with slavery and then actually benefiting off of it based on my investments. That makes me absolutely sick. And I kind of wonder if I'll feel the same way in 20 years about what I'm currently invested in. So I'm going to align that. Yeah. I like that goal. Yeah. That's it for me. What else you got? You going to work out or something? Yeah, I mean, I have always a million other goals for, you know, things I should do. I should go to the gym four times a week. I should meditate every day. Yeah. (laughs) Stretch, all those good things. Yeah. Yeah, I should definitely, you know, use the treadmill that um, just currently houses all our other exercise equipment that my husband has been saying, you know, is 2020 the the year that you actually, you know, make use of that. This is our second treadmill. We sold the first one and uh, I, you know convinced him that we really needed this but uh yeah that's going to require childcare and house cleaning and possibly for me to give up some of the other uh extra things that I'm taking part in so yeah, yeah I mean I think it it is really important when you look at you know planning out your year to make and carve out time for things that are important I think sometimes as females we get so kind of involved in other aspects or other people's lives you know we're wives we're moms we're uh, Mm -hmm. sisters we're daughters we're whatever that we sometimes I think forget to spend time on ourselves and I think that that can be detrimental when it comes to mental health and Mm -hmm. you know mental health is always an ongoing thing for for most people myself included in that and so you know maybe it is 15 minutes in the morning running on the treadmill Mm -hmm. is your sacred time that you need to be able to have your mental health be better, whatever it ends up yeah. being for you, whether that's meditating or what yeah. have you. I think it's important to carve out that time and make it kind of non-negotiable. I was reading over the break a book that said, if a doctor told you you need to spend an hour every day, you know, staring at a wall and it would make your cancer going away, like it was a really obscure example, of course you would do it. I don't know if I could stare at a wall for an hour, though, really. But if it was yeah. life or death, right? Yeah. And so the point of it kind of was around 
taking time away from your phone and screen time Mm. and making room for the things that are going to have a positive impact on you. So in this example, obviously staring at a wall is not going to do anything. It's, Mm. it's very Mm. obscure, but if a doctor told you, this is what you need to do to be healthier, Mm -hmm. you would do it. So if Mm -hmm. you know that running or meditating or, you know, eating better is something that you need to do to be healthier and be your best self. I think that that's important to kind of weave into 2020 resolutions. Yeah. Preventative. Totally. Medicine. However you want to look at that. Yeah. That's what working out is. For sure. Cool. Well, I think we're ready to end it there. Um, Love to hear what your guys' 2020 goals are. Yeah. And how you're actioning them now that we're kind of creeping into the end of January. Are you keeping them? Did you make any resolutions? Are you going to wait until after taxes are filed to kind of look at your finances? Just let us know. If you do have anything that you want to learn about this year, we're always open to taking feedback or suggestions for topics. So maybe that can be our pink text rebate. Shoot us an email about what you want to learn about in 2020 when it comes to feminism and finance. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to share your money story using the hashtag FemFinances.